But I want to just start off in John chapter 1 today, and we're going to get into verse 35 through 39. And, you know, obviously we're, we're focusing some on prayer, but a little bit more in depth where we're talking about spending time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus. Prayer is not just our prayer list, just a discipline, but spending time with Jesus. And in John chapter 1, in just a minute, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about what, what spending a day with Jesus will do in your life. And from there, we're going we're gonna to continue to just let faith rise up in our hearts as we're believing God for, for miracles, believing God for signs and wonders. How many people in the room today, you're, you're believing God for a miracle in your life? Raise your hand. You know, it's just amazing. Every, I mean, every week, whether it's women's, whether it's groups, you know, there's just so many of us that, are, that really need God to show up in, in, a, in a real way, in a big way in our lives with things that are, whether it's in our physical bodies, whether it's in somebody's life that we love, we need Jesus to show up in our lives. And we'll be talking about faith and the requirement of have faith and doubt not. And the need, we'll end today before the Lord's table with the need to pray through. But let's go ahead in, in John chapter John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. said, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? In verse 39, he said to them, come and see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, I just pray that there would be just an increased atmosphere of faith, Lord, an increased atmosphere in the hearts of your people to hunger after you, Lord, to, to be interested in where you are, Lord. Lord, to have a desire, Lord, to have an increased passion for Jesus for our walk with you, Lord, in our lives. Lord, I just pray that today, Lord, as we just press in into your presence, Lord, and press in into prayer that, Lord, that our lives would be touched and our lives would once again, Lord, be captured, that we, our eyes would be filled, our hearts would be filled, and we'd be captured by Christ today. And so, Jesus, just have your way in this place, in your mighty Mighty name, I pray. Amen. 
You know, on this day that Jesus came walking by, I, I love this passage of John the Baptist here and this day that Jesus came walking by because as the, the older cousin and one whose ministry was launched before Christ, John, John had already had his disciples who were walking with him. And of course, John was preaching a message that I am not the one, but the one who is coming after me is mightier, mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to tie. But it was on this day that Jesus came walking by that John made this powerful profession of faith. Behold the Lamb of God. Right when he saw Jesus, having heard the stories, I'm sure, as he was being brought up by Mama Elizabeth and heard the stories of Mary and cousin Jesus. But on this day, as Jesus came walking up, he identified Jesus as the Lamb of God. And there was something very significant that happened in that moment when John identified Jesus as the Lamb of God. There was a there was a shift, there was a transference that happened immediately at that moment. You have to try to put yourself into the context that, that John was that forerunner. He was that prophet that was standing up. He was the only voice up until this point. Imagine, imagine if we were the only, the only church in town. God, that'd be terrifying. But John, John was the, the only voice. He was the only one speaking about the coming Messiah. And he was the only one speaking after, after centuries of silence. And here he was speaking. I mean, you know, that, that in, in a lot of ways, try to put yourself in John's shoes, that can, that can go to a man's head if you're not careful. Are you with me? He's the only church in town. He's the only preacher in town. But on that day, having the revelation of who Christ was, John humbled himself and John acknowledged Christ. And at that moment, there was a transference. There was a transference of authority that John the Baptist had been preaching with. There was a transference as to listen to me and the one who I'm preaching about who is to come. There was a transference to behold, I need now for your attention to turn to Jesus. Here he is. It's the greatest, it's the greatest challenge for any preacher, or any man or woman of God, any leader to not make ourselves the focal point. It's the greatest challenge. If you ever want to know what, the, what one of the greatest challenges is of being a, a minister of the gospel, it's how, the, it's how do you minister the gospel and yet be invisible. Because it was on that day John said, stop, stop looking at me and behold, start looking at the Lamb of God. For now, he's here and obviously 
This is the one whom I've been preaching about. And that authority that had been on John's life, that authority that he'd been speaking with, saying such important and even at times difficult things to the people who were present and the religious that were present on that day, his disciples heard him say, Behold another. Don't behold me any longer, but behold another. And it was at that moment where the word of God says that in verse 37, that two disciples heard him say this, and that was enough. Think about that. These disciples had been following John. John was their pastor. John was their leader. John was the one who was proclaiming hope. And, and all it was was just, just these four words. Is it four words? Behold the Lamb. Five words. <laughs> these five words. And they had enough trust in John, their leader, when he spoke these five words that they thought to themselves, that's all I need. And at that moment, they shifted their attention from John to Jesus in a moment of time. Jesus was just sort of going along that day. Of course, John jumps into the story, the gospel of John, that is, jumps into the story a lot quicker than the other synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He just gets right into it. And of that day, these disciples began to follow Jesus. In verse 38, Jesus turns to them as they were following him. And he's like, what, what do you want with me? I mean, it was on that day when that famous statement that John had been preaching, I must decrease that he could increase. It was at that moment, you got to think, when John said, behold, and the disciples began to walk away, you've got to know that at that moment, that decrease set fully in into John's life and ministry. As he watched those disciples whom he loved, whom he groomed, whom he'd been speaking and teaching the word of God for, for all this time as he watched them as their backs just traveled in journey to Jesus. And Jesus turns to him and is like, what, what do you want with me? What do you want with me? And here we begin to see one of just one of the, the really intimate aspects of Christ in his ministry upon this earth. When they said to him, Rabbi, and he said, where are you staying? He said, what are you seeking? They said, Rabbi, and they said, where, where are you staying? In other, words, in other words, they said to Jesus, Jesus, wherever you are, Jesus, wherever you're going, that's where I want to be. Amen. Wherever you're going, you know, sometimes kind of in a sort of Chinese sort of way, where are you staying? When, when they're really saying, we want to be with you. And it was at that moment, it was a, a, beautiful, a beautiful revelation that took place next. Because you have to put yourself in this Jesus' shoes. It's an impossible task, but try it for a moment. 
here he is, soon to be notably the most famous individual who'd ever walked the earth. Not quite yet, still his time of obscurity when he was being raised up by his mother and spending those times in preparation, waiting for that revelation for John to proclaim. But now once, his, once that proclaiming had come out, these next three plus years, Jesus was going to become and forever be the most notable and famous individual person who had ever walked planet earth. And Jesus invited these two disciples still at this point, still unnamed. We quickly learn whom one of them are and never quite know who the other one was. But Jesus invited them to spend the day with him. When's the last time you got invited by a famous person to come and spend the day with where they were living and how they were living and what they were eating. I mean, it was, a, it was really a, it was a, a look into the transparency of Jesus' life. That Jesus wasn't, hey, you know, I'll be back tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Wednesday at 7 o'clock, you can... See me then. No. Jesus invited them to spend the day with him. You know, before we go any further, obviously it's the it's a day of prayer and and, and obviously many of us have have other things and other schedules today. You might bip in, you you may not for a minute, but let me ask you this question as a as a sort of um, question as a sort of challenge, but but when is the last time you spent a day with Jesus? Just designated a day. You said, Jesus, wherever you're going right now, wherever you're going today, that's where we're going to be. And it's this, these two disciples that said to him and received this very intimate relationship and this intimate invitation to come and spend this time with Jesus. Jesus was open. He was transparent. You know, later on that we find out that this being Andrew and he ends up calling his brother Peter to come into this relationship and Later, Jesus is home as one day when you get to travel to Israel or maybe you just see Israel in, in eternity, but you'll get to maybe or maybe not see Peter's home where inevitably became Jesus's home. But on this day, he took the unnamed disciple and he took Andrew and they came and they spent the day with Jesus. And they were never the same again. Spending time with Jesus. You say, what is prayer? Prayer is spending time with Jesus. Just like we would with 
our spouse or our children or others who are close and intimate in our life. Prayer is a contentment with coming and and sitting and being with the Lord. I'll never forget one of the one of the moments when I knew that my friend was going to become my wife was the day that we were driving down I think we were probably on the causeway and we got halfway or whatever down the causeway and all of a sudden I realized not a word had been spoken for like 20 minutes not a word just Christina's sitting there I'm sitting there not a word saying and you know what the weirdest thing was I was so content with it I was just completely at peace and content without saying and all of a sudden I realized oh my goodness I don't have to try to perform for this person. I don't have to try to convince this person. I don't have to try to fill the air with just nonsense to just keep some sort of conversation going on for my own confidence sake. And all of a sudden I realized how how intimate just that, that moment of quiet was and what that meant. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that moment. And it's the same way with, with spending time with Jesus. Obviously, there's times of praying in the Holy Ghost and times of speaking forth the Word of God and times of making our, our intercessions, our supplications, our prayers. But, but you know, as important as any of those facets of prayer is spending time in His presence. Just being with Jesus, observing, listening, feeling, feeling him, letting him share his love with you, wrap his arms around you, speak to the situations that we're in, helping us change our our perspective, spending time with Jesus more so than anything else in this entire life, can change your perspective with whatever it is that you're walking through. You can try every self-help tactic there is out there in the world of Google, but there's nothing that changes your perspective in a relationship that you're, you're struggling with or an addiction that you're trying to get freedom from or, or whatever other sickness that you're trying to get healing from. There's nothing that changes your outlook on that situation more than sitting and spending time in Jesus' presence. That's a fact. And all it requires is for us people by faith to come and trust in him and and to put ourselves in that place of being drawn by his beauty and his goodness spending time with Jesus increases our faith you want more faith you want to believe God for the impossible get into his presence 
Yes, the word of God, I'm, I'll, I'll say something here and you, you take it however you want. The word of God is obviously powerful and effective. But you take this word and you just try to make this word a, a system of professions apart from the power of his presence. Well, we got a whole P thing going. We had a P thing going on Friday night too. System of professions instead of the power of his presence. If you try to make this just a matter of just, just, just a system of works and professing, and you're taking, you take out the component, the irreplaceable component of the power of his presence, and, and you're going to find yourself coming up short. Spending time with Jesus. It's a simple thought. We call it prayer. We call it worship. We call it all sorts of things. But hear me today. Spending time with Jesus. Text your spouse all week long. Text your children Whatever, even write an intimate email or note doesn't replace just sitting, spending time with the loved ones in your life. Spending time with Jesus can change everything in your life. Your perspective, increasing your faith, Hope being restored in your heart. Beginning to believe for miracles in your life. All these are results. Luke 137, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or is impossible from being fulfilled. This type of scripture that, that just seems at times such an impossible scripture becomes so life-giving impossible when we find ourselves being ministered from the word of God in the presence of Jesus. Believing for miracles. Believing against all hope. In our life, it's, a, it's one of those conundrums in, in the Word of God that I want to now dive into. Seemingly, let me, let me correct myself, seemingly conundrums in the Word of God. In Romans chapter 4, let's jump into Romans right now. Open up your Bibles. Believing for miracles. Believing against all hope. Faith rising in our hearts as a result of being with Jesus and spending time with him. In verse 13 of Romans 4, it says, For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Everybody say faith. 
Listen to that phrase, the righteousness of faith. We're going to come back to that in a moment. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void in the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed God. You want to know one, the secret of Abraham? And Abraham being the father of faith, that's one of his secrets right there. In the presence of him whom he believed. Abraham knew how to access the presence of God. We think Abraham was somehow, it was all just a faraway thing to him, and that's what made him so great. No, what made Abraham and his faith so great is because he found himself in the presence of God. You see, the faith of Abraham and faith in general, faith is for the righteous. Many times we think, well, well, many people have faith. They just have faith in different things. And it's true that many people believe different things in this earth. If we tried to go through all the different beliefs of the people upon this planet, we would be here for years. But when we're talking about faith, faith is actually a designation. It's designated for the righteous of God. You can believe many things. You can, you can, as we said last week, many things that will be enough for you in this life. But if you want enough to take you into eternal life, the only way to get that enough is through faith in Christ. You see, faith is a righteous thing. I want to, I want to, what I want to, to happen in your hearts right now is I want faith to be separated in your hearts right now. Faith is a holy designation for the people of God. God has given people the ability to have faith in himself. Nothing else that you think that you're taking and trying to put faith in can transform your heart and transform your life and offer to you eternal life. The only area that faith 
actually produces something eternal in your life is if you take the faith that Christ has placed in us and you take that faith and you place it in Christ. Are you learn something about faith today? Faith is not is not something for the the heathen just to use however they so please. God has installed, downloaded faith into us, a measure at the beginning, but then it ends up being a growing measure as we walk with Christ. It's enough to bring us into a relationship, and then it ends up being enough because nothing is impossible for him who believes. It's not something for, hear me, Hear me, please. Faith is not something for just any person to use any old way that they want. It doesn't work. It doesn't produce anything. But in Christ, hear me, in Christ, you're spending time with Jesus. You're calling upon the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, that, that, that little measure that the Lord sort of just put in you when he formed you and created you in your mother's womb before the worlds were formed he took and put that just enough faith in you so that when you you call out you whisper his name you can whisper his name jesus and all of a sudden just the whisper of his name activates the most powerful asset on the entire planet your faith in Jesus. Woo! Once your faith is activated and turned on, yep. Shh. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ministered to you right now. Let me just enjoy this for a moment. This isn't, you know, written, some of it. Because why, why are we talking about this? We, we struggle at times with faith. We think that we're supposed to believe at all times and never doubt. And if you do doubt, don't dare whisper that thing. Don't let anybody hear you have a moment of doubt. And somehow those thoughts that that come into our our heart and our our minds somehow at times we allow those those thoughts those passing potentially passing thoughts in other words you don't have to let them take root we allow them to overpower this this most powerful asset that the lord's given us And so we whisper his name, Jesus. And that switch just gets, gets activated. And we're being very, you know, it's, this is very rudimentary what I'm, how I'm describing it right now. And I don't mean by any, any way to play it down in regards to just somehow faith is a, a switch. But it's there. And we, we call upon the name of Jesus. And, and that faith gets activated in our life. 
And then it's spending time with Jesus. It's in his presence. It's in his word where that faith begins to, to grow. That faith begins to just, it, it becomes alive within us. It begins to grow and, and begins to get stronger and more powerful. And it, it's, not, it's not about, I can do this, I can do this, 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 do this. Trying to convince yourself. See, that's one of the mistakes we, we end up making in our, in our self-help mentality. And, and, and obviously, there are some, some things that you can do to help yourself. <laughs> so we don't want to debunk you know, you want to get healthy? Well, eat right and exercise, right? You can help yourself. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the impossible. We're not talking about losing 10 pounds. We're not talking about gaining a little bit of muscle, things that you can do to help yourself, gain some lung capacity, get out on the, the, and hit the pavement, yeah, you can do some things to help yourself. But when we're talking about signs and wonders and, and supernatural and, and salvation and believing for God to transform people's lives and to set people free from addiction and to give people hope, 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 hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope that doesn't ever disappoint. Hope that you don't just like go to bed with feeling a kind of a little bit better today and wake up and you feel like dog doo-doo again. We're talking about the type of hope that comes from faith that's activated because of Jesus, that's strengthened because of his presence and because of his word. We spend time with Jesus. It starts putting a whole new light on, hey, where are you staying? Where, where are you staying, Jesus? Because I want to I wanna hang out with you some more. Where can I find you? Where can I find you, Jesus? Where can I and how can I Tap into where you are every time I need to find you. And yes, he's, he's in our hearts, living in and dwelling in our hearts. But I'm talking about the tangible nature of faith. Faith is the manifestation. Faith is the evidence why is, how can faith, something that, something that seems to be intangible, how can faith be the evidence? Well, well it becomes the evidence in his presence. Amen. His presence, spending time with Jesus is not, is not philosophical. Abraham. Let's go back to the one who we call the father of the faith. I want to show you something here with him. And it's, it's probably something you know, but who knows? Maybe the Lord will give you something else with it today. Let's see where 
verse 17. No, let's go to verse 18. We just read 17. Now let's go to back to 17, Romans 4. We got through half of it. In the presence of him who believed God, who gives life. <laughs> who gives life to the dead. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Verse 18. Here's that, here's that conundrum. Who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. Let's pause there. <clears throat> Contrary to hope, in hope, calls those things which are dead as though they are alive. According to what was spoken. We know, we know the, the, the biggest miracle of Abraham's life. We know we know that miracle birth at his at that ripe old age that Abraham was and his wife who was past childbearing but but hear me that wasn't the full fulfillment of what was promised what was the promise that Abraham was given You shall be the father of the nations. Your descendants, your descendants shall be as the stars or as the sand of the seashore. Your the promise, the, the full fulfillment of the promise was this innumerable number of promised children. <laughs> Abraham got to see. How many is the sand of the seashore? I'm just wondering. <laughs> Does anybody have that number? I'm just curious. What, what is that number? The sand of the seashore. <laughs> it's a lot. Just look at the person next to say, that's a lot. It's a big number. Abraham got to see, he got to see two. Two. He got to see the birth of the promised child, Isaac. And then before Abraham passed, I believe he got to see his grandchild, Jacob. When you go look at the, you know, the numbers and everything. Two of an innumerable promise. Yet, 
Abraham believed God. Listen, listen to this. You've got to wrap your head around this. And I'm going to try, I'm going to try to try to communicate it in the in the Holy Ghost so that it's not just information. Abraham didn't get counted as the father of faith and as as one who believed God just because when he believed that God could give him a single heir. Abraham believed that God was going to actually fulfill his word and his promise to him, which was going to be this dude of promise children. Yet, he also knew, he had to know, he was never actually going to see it with his eyes. Are you with me? Isaac, he had to see. But Isaac was the beginning of a much larger promise that Abraham had to know that he wasn't going to see it. He wasn't going to live for millennia and millennia. But just because he wasn't going to see it, he did not not believe God was faithful to do it. Are you with me today? This is take, we're going a little bit further today. He was not doubting God that he was unable to do it just because with his own eyes and with his own ears, his hands, he was not going to see it, feel it, or hear it. He believed God all the same. Why? Because, it said it right there, because of what, in verse, in the verse 18, 18 according to what was spoken. Faith that is activated from whispering the name of Jesus and strengthened by the presence of Christ in our life is not proven to be faithful based upon what we actually see or feel or hear. It's actually almost irrelevant. Are you, are you tracking me today at all? It's hard. It's, it's a different one. It's being at peace beyond what we're in, even if what we're in continues beyond the length of time we think it should. That one's for you, brother. It's your faith continuing to get stronger and stronger in God, even when the manifestation of what we're praying for isn't manifesting itself. Abraham believed God because it was spoken, not because he saw it, touched it, heard it. or fe- He believed God because God said it. Period. Bottom line, God said it, it's done. Never saw it. 
God was still faithful. Are you with me today? This, this is how we walk by faith. This is, this is where doubt is, is completely defeated in your life. This is where doubt is not only defeated, it's uprooted, thrown into the heap and set on fire because we no longer have to even give doubt any more attention because it's no longer based upon what I can make happen in my life or what manifests tomorrow in my life because Jesus is faithful no matter what. About a third of you are getting it. And then the rest is me. This is where have faith and not doubt, you know, it takes on a whole new, it takes on a whole new reality in our lives. This is why Jesus is able to look at the disciples in Matthew 14 and Matthew 21 and he stretched out his hands and he caught Peter as Peter's Peter sinking into the water and he says oh you of little faith why did you doubt we know the story Peter took his eyes off of Christ and put his eyes on everything else and and when you come out and trust me you can come out of God's presence and it isn't God's fault Ooh, did I just say that out loud? Yeah, you can, you can be... Okay, let me say it in a different way. You can be a man or a woman of God saved by faith and go into heaven and live a life that is not dwelling in the presence of the Lord. Holy Spirit in you, yes, presence of the Lord's with you. Hear me, hear my heart, hear what I'm trying to communicate. Peter, walking, doing the miraculous, eyes focused on Christ, gets distracted, turns away, and starts to sink. Thankfully, the mercy, the grace of God is always right there. It's always right there and, and catches him. Peter, why'd you doubt? The moment, the moment you take your eyes off of me, the moment that you come out of my presence, the moment that, that you stop filling your hearts and your minds with, with me, well, that's in those less than supernatural moments. In our walk with Christ is where sinkage begins to to take place. Assuredly, I say to you, have faith and not doubt in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 21 in talking about the fig tree. In talking about the mountains being removed. B, you will not only see this happen to the fig tree, but, but also to this mountain. Be ye removed and cast into the sea. We're, sometimes we're, we're, so, we're so looking at the mountain to be moved. The mountain is already moved. We're waiting for mountains to be moved in our life. And I'm telling you today, listen to me. In Christ, the mountain is already gone. It's already removed, flattened. In Christ and in faith in Christ, 
in his presence, there are no mountains that get in our way. (laughs) We're stretching today. Just stretch with me. Stretch with me. The reason that there are no mountains again is because we're believing according to the word that was spoken. I say to you, you will, these mountains will be cast into the sea. Praying through until faith so rises in our hearts and the breakthrough comes into our lives. We have to learn to be a people who pray through life's challenges. What is prayer? Prayer is spending time with Jesus. I'm not talking about a system of saying certain things. Yes, you'll say certain things. In Jesus' name, you'll profess the word of God. You better be professing the word of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. But praying through life's challenges. Walking where Jesus is staying with Jesus. Praying through until the touch of Jesus in faith rises once again in our hearts. Praying through until the gift of God is once again stirred up in our lives. Praying through so that the fire of God is not quenched but is burning brightly in our life. Keeping ourselves praying through. Listen to me, and it's one, it's it's a part of a key part of it. Praying through is constantly keeping ourselves in a bit of an uncomfortable position. You say, why? Why does it have to be uncomfortable? Well, it's not uncomfortable for your spirit. Your spirit loves it, needs it, hungers after it, but your flesh fights it. Your flesh, the things that we're, we're walking through, fights it. So we keep ourselves in these uncomfortable positions as pertains to our flesh in order that our spirit would thrive and that faith would increase. That which we feed will live. That which we starve will die. We starve the things of the flesh and our, our flesh continues to decrease. We feed the things of our spirit and our spirit continues to increase. For all these years, as we close out and just let's go ahead and prepare the communion table, please. We go to the classic. We end with the classic. And don't you love the classics? (laughs) One of the classics is Moses. And you think about, we've talked about the father of faith, but you get to Moses and you get to the 
and pull that up here. Thank you. You can put it in the middle, please. You get to the different phases of Moses' journey of faith. He discovers who he is, and he tries to do something in his own arm of the flesh, and he commits murder. <laughs> or he kills somebody, whether it's deemed murder or not, I guess. Probably not so. But in the arm of the flesh... He kills a guy. But he did that trying to believe God. <laughs> he was trying to believe God. I'm here to, to help you and save you. He's trying to believe God. He killed a dude trying to believe God. He gets separated into, flees into the wilderness. Then he's got... 40 years of reckoning with himself until the Lord once again appears to him. And now he has to, he has to, in faith, he has to, he gets into the presence of the Lord and in and, and everything, I said everything changes. After 40 years, he gets into that presence of God and everything changes. I mean, he's ready to, he's ready to go back and confront Pharaoh, face whatever, whatever, charges or consequences he may have to face but but in that presence of the lord after 40 years of trying to do it but ending up way over here he's like i'm going to give it another shot he goes and gives it another shot believing god god shows up supernaturally displays all these supernatural things in his life and in his ministry and then he ends back up in the the wilderness again but now with a, a rebellious people that he's leading and then he spends the next 40 years again holding on to God and after all that all those years he doesn't enter into the land of Canaan Now, thankfully, we've got Christ now, and, and Christ says we enter in through by the blood of Jesus now. But here's my point. It's a picture. All these things that were written were a picture. Moses and all his failures and all his mistakes, he never stopped believing God. He was called a friend of God, and even though he couldn't enter the land of Canaan, that moment that he breathed his last, the hand of the Lord went and picked him up, snatched him away, put him someplace safe so that Satan couldn't get his body. And, and then we see, you know, Moses is, is, a, is an integral part of, of eternity. Stop putting so much of your faith and how you're using your faith on the results that you deem it's producing. Put the measure of faith that Jesus has installed into your life, put it 100% on the faithfulness of Jesus and what he has already accomplished in the plans that he has 
for our lives. Whether you see it or not. Whether you touch it or not. It doesn't make Jesus any less faithful to you.